Hey guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, the MFCEO.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can go to MedterraCBD.com right now and lock in discount code Big MX Radio 15 to save 15% on your order. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and with us on the line, he's an absolute legend within the sport of motocross on both the coaching side of things and, of course, as a fantastic racer who is part of four motocross nation winning teams representing the United States of America. He's the 1984 250 Supercross champion. If you don't know the stats by now, you've got to know that the guy I have on the phone right now is the Osho. Johnny O'Mara, Johnny, how's it going? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that intro. That was, uh, I was even going, wow. Okay. That, uh, it did sound pretty good, but thank <laughs> you very much for having me. Glad I found some time to chit chat with you and yeah, I'm, I'm all for you right now. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, so happy to have you on the show, my friend. You're one of the guys that, uh, when my dad first got me into the sport, uh, as getting me a little Suzuki DS80 back in the day. Um, like I, I didn't have a lot of brand new magazines. I had all of uh, his older magazines and stuff like that from when he, he grew up with the sport and not actually a little bit, well, he was sort of in his twenties and stuff like that. And that's when you were in your heyday ripping it up and just, um, basically being, uh, on the forefront of all things new and exciting with motocross in a sport that, uh, and we honestly, we could do a couple of podcasts just in the fact that you were part of the sport when literally year to year the bike weren't the bikes weren't just a little different they were completely entirely different from one year to the next and and maybe we'll talk about that on a different podcast but uh um you're a huge reason is why why i do this show in the first place and uh we've actually got a couple of two little funny uh ways that we actually met over the years one being the first time i ever came down to california back in 2010 or maybe it was 13 uh if i'm not mistaken and uh i see anytime i see an x s works mountain bike uh you can pretty much be sure that it's an expensive one so i wanted to check that out because i was actually working at a bike shop at the time and uh up on the the the, the down post there happened to say johnny o'mara and i looked to to you not knowing that you are who you are i'm like is this johnny o'mara's bike and you're like yeah that's my bike <laughs> and <laughs> And uh, that was at Milestone when you were working with Thomas Covington. And uh, and then actually just a couple of years ago in, in Colorado, we're both uh, uh, trackside watching Joey Savacci do his thing with the Pro Circuit guys. And, uh, again, we struck up a conversation. Um, always good to reconnect with you, my friend. Thank you. That, yeah, that's some good a little history there just in the few years you just mentioned. But, yeah, I've kind of just been doing the same kind of the same routine you know since what you said there i still race my mountain bikes have my mountain bike team team bag house and uh we have tons of uh top amateurs in the nation that multi-time guys myself i've won quite a few times myself plus i handpick all my my athletes and then yeah my 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 big job is currently right now i'm still with joey savacci number 17 and it's his uh rookie year on the 450 and we're just uh along for the ride and i'm just trying to make a difference in his uh career right now for sure, you're a guy who's uh, sort of uh, helped him along for a number of years now. Uh, exactly how many years, I'm not entirely sure, but at least three, four, at least seeing him uh, uh, come very close to a couple of West Coast Supercross championships, uh, leading the points in the outdoors at least one, uh, one or two different years uh, when he was with Pro Circuit. And uh, uh, after a pretty, I would say, um, if, if just from the outside looking in, sort of, uh, a frustrating 2018, uh, with, uh, um, like having actually a nice end to 2018, uh, a nice step forward for him, a, a kid that I think that a lot of people were a little bit skeptical about him moving to the 450, how much that was, how much success he was going to enjoy there. And, uh, it's still early in the season, but, uh, he's at least established himself as the top rookie for 2019. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, what you said there pretty much hit it on the nail. I, I haven't been with him as long as what, you know, you kind of were leading to. I kind of came into, into play. I'm coming up on two years with Joey. Okay. So I was thrown in kind of in the middle, you know, with uh, the Osborne year, which everybody knows. So, you know, uh, Ricky Carmichael had me come in and try to make a difference there. And, you know, uh, I've enjoyed it the whole time. Well, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of brought in to, to help situations sometimes you know sometimes even pretty difficult situations but you know everybody you know i got the credibility in the business that i can kind of dissect little issues here and there and they just you know uh that's 
I feel like that's my expertise. I can, uh, I can kind of pick apart like with some weaknesses as weaknesses and then work on those and they don't happen overnight obviously but if you stick you know if you stick with it uh overall you're going to be a better athlete you know and you know sometimes results don't totally show on paper but i really feel like joey's a way better person now um and athlete let me put it that way uh and and i think that's even why you're seeing some better results in him already this year we started off a little rough with a you know, a rain race, and then he did bang his head, and, and Glendale, and then and then we, the last few weeks, we've definitely been making some pretty big strides, and it and it does, you know, like a lot of people are like, wow, is that like surprising you? And I'm like, no, not not elite, not not at all, because I know what he's capable of. I've seen him ride thousands and thousands of laps, and he's as fast as anybody. I he really is, and so what I what I always tell people like, okay, that's Joey last weekend was Joey. That's the one that I know that's uh, really good on the motorcycle. Technically like one of the best out there in this current generation of uh, crop of riders. And I also knew that he was going to be good on a 450. Like I just had a really good hunch that with his throttle control and uh, technical skills, like I brought out earlier that he was going to be good it, those things are, they're gnarly to ride. We all know that. So, you know, you just can't ride it like a meathead and stuff like that. So Joey, um, is coming along. Good. Sure. We'd like to be a little bit better. We had the two, two races really didn't get any points, but, uh, he led laps last, last week and, uh, a couple little mistakes, but you know, he's still, he's still learning. So, you know, those guys that he was racing with even this weekend in Minnesota, I mean, Coop probably being the the youngest of those guys, and this is already his third year. The other guys were all five year plus guys, so uh, I was pleased with it. We're we're never totally satisfied. Like we have bigger and better things. We're always looking at like the big picture, and that's to win races and win championships. That's that's what we all uh, why we do what we do, and I know that's what I do, and I I preach that all the time. If someone's coming to have me help them, it's all about that with me. It's not about, Hey, being top 10 or this and that, like, I'm just not about that. You got to make things happen. You got to be willing to sacrifice, commit, find a way to do it and, and get her done. For sure. I think that's the mentality. Um, that it's a bit of an old school look, uh, look at things, but I think it's a needed, uh, sort of like a, a workman like uh, approach to the sport of motocross, which, um, for the, for the majority of the sport, uh, maybe excluding the like in the, a, a short period of time throughout the mid '90s, it's the success in the four the either the 450 class or what used to be the 252 stroke class uh, has always been basically the culmination of uh, athletic prowess meeting uh, just unbelievable skill on two wheels. Like there's a lot of guys that have had skill on two wheels that uh, that don't have uh, the athletic side of things, and there's some athletes out there that maybe can't twist a throttle and navigate the corners the same way as uh, some of the top guys. But when a guy's able to take that skill level and then meet it with a guy who's just a beast in the gym and like on a mountain bike or whatever it happens to be, I feel like that's when riders really can unlock their potential. Uh, maybe, I don't, I don't know if you agree with that or not. Uh, no, I do. Like, you know, everyone's, you know, everyone's got different, you know, theories on, on that. Like you said, I mean, I try not to be too old school. I try to fit in with the new generation and how they go about their business, you know, four strokes being, dude, I never even rode a four stroke. I mean, obviously I did, but I didn't, I didn't race though. So yeah, yeah. I was in the era yeah. of the, of the factory bikes that were like F1 material machines. Like I wouldn't change anything. I love the, uh, era I was in. I, I felt like I brought a lot changing the technical skills and supercross and all that daily myself and a few of the other guys. So I, I wouldn't, uh, change that for anything. So now I just, uh, it's always, let, let's just put it this way. It's an, always an honor when I get like a call and go, Hey, can you help a current guy? That's like, uh, you know, maybe struggling or needs some, some type of guidance, needs someone there to kind of manage them through situations and stuff like that so that's you know and it really wasn't even a plan of mine to really actually even do this it was just kind of like i really realized when i was done with it and i raced my mountain bike i did all that stuff but i go man i you know motocross still is my family and it always will be my first love so i like i said i'm honored when i can work with a top rider like joey sabachi and i've i've worked with most of the top guys like as you know so um and i and i helped kind of build you know like you know since the big thing is like kind of helped the whole sport to get to even what it is now with the training the mindset you know because i was with ricky carmichael at the from the beginning to the end and that's when i think a lot of people took notice that 
you know, if you were going to win, especially to be Ricky, you know, you, you had to be really serious. And, um, and it's, and I think from there on, it's, it's been a progression, like where everyone's got everything covered. Like you can't have any little like, uh, weaknesses here or there. You have to address them and, and move forward and, um, find the right amount of training that, you know, to work on your, uh, weaknesses on your motorcycle and, and obviously, uh, building a good solid team around you pretty small but but tight and then uh just trust a couple key people that are there for you and that's kind of how i i kind of build it for uh any of my uh motocross clients absolutely and, and for, for those who don't know you were on the line for ricky carmichael's first ever supercross back in 1999 uh at uh in in anaheim uh rc number nine nine in your program number one in your hearts challenging J- uh, jeremy mcgrath for that championship it took him a couple of years before uh 2001 when uh he showed up and uh basically just dropped a uh, uh an h-bomb on the on everybody but uh Let's talk a little bit about maybe a comparison of uh, RC's first couple of years in the 250 class as as like as a like basically a contrast to some of the other guys you've worked with. Obviously, that's sort of like the the baseline of uh, of what you'd compare a lot of other guys to. Um, like he seemed to struggle with the with, with that transition. A lot of other guys do. What are the the keys to uh, taking success on the small bike? Over to uh, being successful on uh, on a, either it be a 252 stroke or in, in uh, modern cases a 450 um, because they're very different animals. Yeah, I mean, I, I just would probably emphasize on it. I mean, you got to respect those uh, more CCs. I mean, it's bottom line like uh, the bikes are heavier. You know, there's more uh, there's more inertia going on, and you can get away with a little bit more on the smaller bikes for sure one little mistake that you might be able to get away with, let's say on this current age, like a 250 F there's a good chance. It's going to throw you on, on the mat being on a 450. So it's, uh, things are a little bit more violent. Got to respect the bike and, and then, you know, know that throttle control and what you can kind of get away with what you can't learn the learn the limits. I have always been one to like really go, okay. Like if you know your bike, you know how far you can push it. And, and then it's up to you to set it up that way to like get more out of it. And if you got to work on things, that's up to you on your, on your behalf, watching and, and then really studying what's going on out there. I've really like a, a, a student of the sport. So I've always, even in my day, like I watched the best guys and I sat there and I couldn't get enough of just studying them. You know, like I just went like, how are they going faster than me? Like how, like I just couldn't get enough of that. Like if it's corner speed, if it's staying lower on jumps, it's, uh, I mean, just all the little things like I, I would dissect it that much, even back in my days in the eighties, I would really? like, look at that. Even if it was just pictures, you know, it didn't matter positioning fingers on the clutch, uh, foot position on the pegs. I mean, like, you know, all the things that, you know, is very at anyone's fingertips now, because we all have, you know, videos we can watch on youtube uh everybody's got their phones their smartphones they're just videoing everybody i mean and even in in this age, i mean you can go to the local tracks and the best guys in the world are there in our day you know no one saw anybody you know like we were like you didn't only saw us on the weekends so um yeah that if that kind of made sense there that's yeah. kind of i know i kind of almost went like uh brain not brain dead i just went like <laughs> I know that was a lot right there, what I told you, but that is kind of how I kind of pick it apart. And I think any of the guys today, even if it's guys that are just like trying or struggling and they're like, like I kind of would just go, well, yeah, okay. You're struggling, but like figure it out. Like you've got to figure it out. What, what, where you need to work on, why are these guys going so fast? Um, I, I see a lot of stuff. Like I watch some amateur stuff now and maybe like, I, I don't totally agree with exactly what I see out there, but I know it's a generation. It is what it is. You know, a lot of it's lap time stuff. Um, it looks like to me they miss a little bit at developing some of the skill levels that's required to uh, have that foundation, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Before they, and then they like, like they almost do it backwards to me if I wanted to be really blunt. Okay. Um, and then, and then you got kind of like, I want to say like almost these bad habits that are always really hard to break, especially if I'm getting like, let's say if I'm going to help somebody that's already, 
I don't know, he killed it, amateurs, but he, you know, and then he's getting hurt, you know, this and that, because he's trying to step it up again, but he didn't, doesn't have that, maybe that skill set that, you know, like a Ken Roxon or, or a Dungy, I'm just going to throw out some names that had really good skill levels, McGrath, of course, um, you know, a lot of people put me in that category, one of the technical guys, um, so that stuff needs to be in place for those guys to look at the big picture, they can get to the big leagues, but I, they may struggle on getting like, you know, you just, that's the difference in like the champions and stuff, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. Like that, that, that's sort of that X factor. That's what, what separates, uh, the, 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 the great riders from the, from the legendary riders to the good riders, the, the guys that, uh, just race in, in a pro race. Um, you were definitely part of that, the, that, basically that level of guys that were just an absolute cut above uh, in through the late 70s, 80s, even early 90s, extremely dominant, extremely skilled, and you carried that forward uh, uh, into uh, your, your teaching practices. I feel like you basically, um, and I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in, in, in this quote, is that how you do anything is how you do everything. I am firmly believe that uh, uh, Johnny O'Mara is about as good a, as he is on a mountain bike, as he is on a motocross bike, as he is at coaching, as he is brushing his teeth or washing his car. It's just that taking that level of execution, the expectation of just doing your absolute best at everything that you do. How do you uh, uh, instill that and basically and uh, and bring that message to your riders and uh, allow them to have that aha moment? I'm sure you've seen that in some of your riders where like you're you're working with them on something, they don't totally get it. You use different verbiage to sort of get the message across, and all of a sudden it just happens to snap in their head, and they look at you with this aha moment. How does that how does that come about for you? Yeah, it comes about a lot. Yeah, like it's like sometimes totally just blows people away, um, in a way that's like, wow, that's just that's just too much for me to handle. Like you know this and that. They just see how serious I am. You did hit it on a nail. Like whenever I've ever done anything, I'm all in and nothing less. Like I'm a hundred percent on something. And I don't even touch anything if I do something ninety percent. Like I just don't. Like I've. Yeah. Uh, I'm just such like a fanatic on perfection and like OCD almost level type stuff. Like I'm just like, I will find a way to be the best at whatever I do, whether, you know, now it's all like helping people or if it's in my, my personal life with my family. Like I just, like, I'm just really like critique everything. Like I gotta be, I got to be good at everything. And, you know, I know it's like, it's almost borderline unhealthy, but it's just kind of what, how I was brought up. I wasn't raised with like, you know, like a, a red carpet and like just brought in, like a lot of people maybe don't know how I came up. Like I didn't have anything. Like I didn't have money. I didn't have anything. I just, I was just sitting there, like a shy little kid, just like looking at pictures of, uh, of guys that I looked up to in the, in the sport and they were older than me, you know, it could be me Costers or, or Marty Smith and stuff like that. I mean, uh, those were guys that I just said, man, I just, I said, I just told myself, like, if I can just get to the races, you know, like get, get enough funding to go to the races. And at that, at that time, when I was young, you could win local stuff and get, um, you know, I didn't have to go to Loretta Lens and all that stuff. Like I, I could beat everybody at local big races, like CMC, Golden State Series, and then you can get a ride that way. Because I didn't have any resources to get on an airplane. Um, the first air, every time, first time I ever flew anywhere was when I went and won Mid Ohio from for the Mugen Honda ride I had. Like I hadn't even been on an airplane, so like I was like just amazed. Like I was getting taken care of at that level, and I was, I was basically factory level at that point so you know i i think that i you know while it may have been rough you know like as i came up but it really kind of set the tone for me like i just really appreciated it a lot more even my success so like i i just didn't know any other way that like to do it other than i had to work harder than everybody and and dissect it more than anybody and that's literally how i uh approached approach to everything at least for my racing and it went on to be mountain bike stuff or even how i look at it now uh with helping guys so and and it and it is overwhelming to some people but it takes a while if they just kind of buy into it slowly um they kind of understand me a little bit more 
Absolutely. A, a, a real, uh, like, just kind of a, a motocross success story. A guy who started out very little support to eventually riding some of the most exotic uh, works bikes to ever uh, roll out of uh, the factory Honda rigs and uh, and, and capping that off with a, a championship in 84. And, and one one of these days, I'm going to get you on for a long-form podcast where we can really dive into all that stuff because I need to talk about twin... Uh, 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 the... Uh, is it the twin uh, twin cylinder one twenty one twenty five? All this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, like they're yeah. Oh yeah, we need to get yeah, into they're, all they're, that they're, one day. But uh, like talking specifically about your your work with these riders, um, how important is it to you when working with a rider that? Um, you're able to, to work with them for an extended period of time. I myself have worked with a number of different per- personal trainers over the years, and I've, I've always found that it's in year, uh, honestly, it's around like the 18 months part of really working with somebody where that base that you worked on at the beginning of your time together actually starts to kick in where you're able to sort of break through barriers and, and work up to the point where you're actually seeing some permanent, um, like results, like it's not—it's not just like what you've what you've acquired over a short period of time. It becomes who you are. Uh, how much of that is true? And, and honestly, how long do you have to start working with a guy uh, before it, it, things really start to sink in? Because I think we've seen in, the, in a lot of in the past with a lot of guys, um, the guys who are most successful are the guys who are able to uh, to to work with the same guy for a, a, a number of years and also stay relatively injury free, so that they're not constantly just coming back from an injury. They're actually building fitness. Yeah, no, you hit it on the nail. Like I would always, I would always tell anybody, like I see people just jump around, you know, I don't know, coaches, trainers, whatever, you know, you want to call these people like, uh, um, yeah, they just think that like, it's instantly like, like, boom, I got to change it. Like you just didn't even give it any time. Like I would agree with you 100%. Like you need to have someone you just like make the right decision from the get go do, do your like due diligence and know like who you're going to have in your corner, a mentor, someone that knows this stuff. You got like, you already got to do that. You don't just go, okay, I'm picking that guy. Cause he's maybe he's a little cheaper or whatever. Cause you know, financial stuff comes into play. Also, some of these guys can't afford, um, at different levels. So I get that part too, but yeah, it's exactly what you said. Like I would agree with you on that 18, two year deal, like 18 months, two years where you're really going to start like really connecting with that individual and they're going to understand it. They're getting like, you know, I understand Joey so much more than I did in the first year. Like I'd sit there and just, um, at times be really frustrated just to be honest. Like, man, I just don't get it. Like, uh, like, you know, like, uh, what, what's going on? You know, like I, these would be one-on-one conversations I have with them. Right. And like now, like we really like the chemistry is really there. Like, nice. like I almost like have put it to people before. Like sometimes me and Ricky were so automatic RC, like we could just look at each other. Like, and we already knew like what that meant. You know what I mean? It was just like a look would be like, all right, it's racing time, put the helmet on. Like, I didn't need to go, come on, let's do this. And let's, you know, you know, like the, preach all that stuff like dude like that's old. like you shouldn't really have to do that like all the stuff's done during the week preparation and, and mindset get you know you got to have the mental uh strength to be able to go to the line it's like you know you're literally going into battle you know so like a lot of it's like just automatic now with joey and i and and it's just um we know we have everything covered we've we've identified so many small little issues with uh with his program over the couple of years you're saying like that i like i'm almost at two years with him right that like yeah now now we're like starting to see um wreak some of the benefit that you would think in a, in a program like that like you got to stick with a program there's no snow doubt about it like just you know you're almost i think you're like if you're just boom 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 changing people like you're just looking for excuses like you're just not buying in um be accountable for your actions and just go to work and don't complain and just do it everyone knows that pretty much everyone's doing it's just like how you know how much are you willing to work harder than the other guy but smart you know you can't overwork yourself obviously right. To overtrain, you know, because everybody always wants to think, oh, you, this guy's going to overtrain me, this and that. Like, I don't work that way. Like, I don't have a set amount of training that I have for Joey that I did for Ricky or for Dungey or James Stewart. Like, I mean, it's just, it's ludicrous to have, 
you don't operate like that. But I do get these guys to understand their bodies. So like as a professional athlete, you should know your body and what it's capable of. I'll have some testing done, uh, make sure like we kind of know zones and all this stuff that, you know, zones when he's riding his motorcycle, zones when he's off the motorcycle, I mean, you know, for recovery type stuff. So like I do educate my guys and well, Joey being my only guy right now, he's up to speed. Like I sure I'm daily on him. Like I don't just put a schedule like a two week schedule in front of you and like do it. Like I'm daily on him. Things change in 24 hours all the time with athletes. So you can't like just go do this every day this week because you know, you may not feel good one day. So we got to pull back in one area. So we're really spot on. I, I believe on Joey and, um, that's what I'd recommend for anybody. Like you just can't build a formula and think it's going to work for everybody. Oh, for sure. Like how, how delicate of a process is that with like basically adrenal fatigue where, uh, so many of these athletes, I think motocross racers are probably as guilty of it as any, uh, of just having the ability to mentally handle, uh, an incredible amount of load. They're just like work, 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 work. How, like how much more do you want me to do? Okay, I'll do that too. It's like work, 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 work. And they, they basically just pile themselves into the ground. Um, by no fault of their own, they literally just want to take on so much activity that the, the, they can always do a little bit more. Um, how, how much of a delicate process is basically, uh, doing the work, but also pulling back a little bit here and there to make sure that, uh, that you're, you're not just like smashing yourself into the ground so that on Saturday morning, when you're supposed to be feeling fresh and be able to execute, all you want to do is take a nap. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's so important. It's not, it's hard to even emphasize how much that is important. Um, yeah, the, the, you know, for those guys to do 17 races, literally, I think there's one weekend off. It's that may be more brutal than any sport in the world. Like if what you're, what you're seeing with the traveling, like, I mean, this weekend in Minnesota where it's minus 10, I mean, I'm still tired from the weekend. Like it was, <laughs> it's crazy, you know, I live and, you up know here. obviously, yeah, like I, yeah, exactly. So like I, I, uh, I, I know about the body, like I know how much people, not everybody can handle, but I know the, the stresses of everything, um, is, it, it, you know, it's, a, it's like a marathon. Like I literally look at like motocross season, like it's a marathon, like you got to go super cross, you got to go outdoors and you got to be good, you know, like literally 10 months out of the year. Like that's, there's no other sport that I know of even like coming, like I come from mountain biking and cycling too. I mean, those guys can't even ask that much of their bodies. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty technical and i and i have no phd or anything like that i've just lived it so like and i was one of the pioneers of the guys that like was one of the hard-working guys in it so i've learned the hard way too i've overtrained right um i've gotten sick i've you know it's so like all these things like but mine's just like true stuff that like i've experienced myself so and, and not everybody's as as athletic as another guy so that you know you gotta take that into consideration also so i'm watching like resting heart rates daily um i'm watching you know how many times per week they're over the threshold um it's very scientific now and if i think if you're just not doing it you're, you're just missing it yeah you you're going to be missing it if you don't have that stuff in place now i really i really feel like that uh especially in the last like decade or so uh, it's really stepped up uh, in that area. If you want to run up there at the front with those uh, top guys, they're all they're all phenomenal athletes and uh, incredible skilled guys on their motorcycles. So can't can't have a weakness here or there. It's not like generations ago, you know, decades ago, where someone had so much more talent and they're just like just riding away from on that alone. And maybe um, it's everyone's got it pretty covered now, at least the championship guys that are like contenders, podium guys, like they got, they, their programs are strong for sure. Absolutely. And so you, you mentioned the connection that you had with Ricky Carmichael, uh, greatest motocross racer of all time, never competed in a full length motocross series that he did not win, uh, with exception of his first rookie season where he raced only Gainesville, I believe. Uh, and then of course, uh, um, I guess that was Steel City, um, and then his uh, his last season when it was an abbreviated season in 2017 or, or 2007, he re and, and still I think won just about every race during that small stint. Um, 
you had this connection with him where you could just look at each other and understand uh, each other, what was going through each other's minds and what needed to be uh, basically communicated there. Um, what's that process like, whether you're trying to build that same connection with a James Stewart or Ryan Dungey or now with Joey Zavacci, uh, who's a little bit more of a tough nut to crack? And then when so far, like so much when those guys aren't quite giving you the information that you need, where can you get it? As far as like uh, heat, like uh, heart rate monitors, or just sort of like body signs, uh, or can, is there just like a body language thing that you can tell with Joey that hey, it's time to back uh, back it down, or hey, this kid's ready for a little bit more uh, on his plate. Uh, the, you know the biggest difference when you, what you just said an overlay of what you just said is I worked with I got with Ricky really early in his career, right when he was still just a, a 14, 15 year old teenager. So and then as I jump forward now what you, what you just said with the, the few guys that you mentioned, and I did work with all those guys. Um, I got them with a, they were, they're already a pro rider. They're already four or five years, uh, after what I had Ricky. So I had a lot more to do with molding Ricky from the get go than already getting like, I don't want to say like it's some bad baggage, but I mean it like I wasn't, part of it to build that operation right this whole program from the get-go so that's where the difference would be um and and so if that makes sense to you i know that kind of was a little yeah maybe not complicated but the earlier i can get with somebody for sure i'm good it's going to be more beneficial for them um because then like you know we you don't have much time to waste in our in our business because you know you get 10 years out of your career that's a long time so for sure yes you wait yeah, exactly. I could did 11 full years. Ricky did the same 10 or what right there. They'd never seem to go much more than that. Um, and so, you know, you don't have, like one, one year, you just like, wow, I just threw, threw away a whole year. I wasted that, you know, like, so, um, yeah, there's no time to waste. That window closes really quick. And any of the guys that I've ever worked with, they're like, I would tell them like, Hey, before you know it, you're going to be retired. You're not even going to be 30 years old. You're going to be, and, you, and every one of them came back to me going, man, you were so right, Johnny. That's ridiculous. How quick it goes by. I'm so glad like you helped me in that area. Like I, I get compliments like that. Like, and That's then cool. they, I know they go on and, and then if they're going to help some guys in the sport, because we want to give back to the sport, that's literally what I do today. Yeah. It's like, I feel like I'm giving, giving back. Sure. I can, I can make a little bit of a living and, and continue, you know, cause I'm not going to work for free and stuff like that. I got to be able to be like, I look at it as like a job. I take it very seriously, but that that's what it is. And they'll probably go on and help guys too, whether it's their management or help the team riders who some of the guys we mentioned like that. Um, yeah. So that, if I didn't get too far off to the side there without complicating things there, um, hopefully I answered that question for you. Absolutely. Uh, not unlike, uh, say, a sculptor starting a sculpt, uh, like starting to sculpt something. He starts with it and all of a sudden walks away. A second sculptor who comes in when the, the clay is a little bit hard, it's a little bit more difficult to maneuver things are already sort of set in stone there's only so much you can do before the, the, the thing becomes rock hard whereas when you show up to uh, a, a brand new piece of clay that is completely pliable you can move it where it needs to go and uh, then you can really help something take shape that might be uh, something sort of what you were trying to get at yeah exactly yeah that's that's exactly what i'm uh, uh was getting out with you so like uh you know the earlier i can get with them i that's why Ricky and I had really a special bond, no doubt about it. Um, but I, you know, I had good bonds with the other guys too, but just different. And, um, eventually we got on that same page, you know, but you know, the earlier you can get on that same page, understanding each other, trust is huge. Just, just believe in it and, uh, don't second guess it and don't be looking for shortcuts because there's not in our business. There's no shortcuts, you know, like there just literally is not you got to you got to pay the dues you got to go through the the highs and the lows together um there's a lot of lows more lows than highs usually so you know that's why a lot of people get really down and then stop stop believing in themselves you can't let i mean you know you've heard of other sports you know i i've always heard uh michael jordan miss more free throws than you know what i mean like yeah like, but and stuff like that like i mean all those guys you see kobe all the guys you can just go down the thing those guys had low, a lot of lows, you know, more lows and highs, but it's, you just got to be relentless. Like it's, that's literally how I look at it. Like relentless. It's literally 
a battle of yourself mentally and physically like just and then after that like you know you have your whole life after you and you're so young like you're actually lost when you're done like it's almost depressing i've seen so many people like they don't when they're done racing they just like don't know what to do you know like you're still so young in our business um you know where i had mountain biking i went and did i was full-time professional mountain biker when i was done so i took six years to kind of decompress a little bit but i was still racing on the highest level um as an athlete endurance athlete being paid for it pretty much the same type of routine uh, i could train every day uh but then so i always recommend to any any professional athlete find something you, you got to find something you'll just go kind of crazy if you don't find something right away to what to do and if you think you're just going to sit there and uh you know, when your body's so used to being on a schedule like what, what we do and if you especially want the top guys the top guys are just like i think struggle the worst for sure like the like i think what you sort of uh uh hit touched on there is that the work comes before the belief uh a lot of times uh, i'm sure you've worked with a number of riders where you basically have to have a conversation with uh with them to basically say you got to trust me on this one you may not believe in the method to the madness right here but i'm telling you if you do the work you'll see the result then you start to believe in the work and then you can put in the work to get the results that you need uh and then that you want and they can turn into uh, uh whether that be race wins podiums or or, uh, or a, uh, a championship in the sport of Supercross, which is the ultimate goal. Um, working with Joey Savacci, uh, he, he's, wor he's working his way up. The first In the first six races, we've had uh, one bike malfunction, which is extremely disappointing. Uh, when he was having an awesome ride, uh, a bit, he battled back from a bit of a head injury, and we've also had two mud races. Um, small sample size and a, a few basically kind of throwaway events um, is is basically his season starting almost a couple of days ago, basically with the supercrosses going east, more domes, uh, less chance of, uh, of some inclement weather and stuff like that. I feel like uh, we've had almost like a, we haven't really seen what Joey Savacci has to offer just yet. Well, yeah, you, you hit it on the nail there because um, really this weekend, other than the open when he had his uh, bike uh, issue, uh, he was up there in the mix, second or third or whatever it was when he had to pull off and didn't finish. But really, that would have been like his first race where he was up there racing with those guys in the top five and have a had a chance at podium. Who knows? But maybe even win the thing. And then just Saturday night in, in Minnesota also because uh, uh, that was the first time in a dome, good conditions. Oakland was good conditions too. We didn't that, but but the bike kind of took him out of that one. So yeah. we just had to regroup. And but yeah, I, I say what we saw Saturday was the first real real indicator, more like what he did at Vegas. You know, like at the end of last year when he rode, he was him and Tomac went. You know, did really good. Um, and that's that's the Joey that I do see. You know, on a daily basis, I'm not with him every day because he does he does train in Florida. But when he's in California, I'm always with him, and I do eventually go to Florida when needed. Um, so, yeah, like I would put it like, yeah, that was a really good uh, indicator what to, to follow to what we're going to see with Joey, in my opinion. I mean, sure, there's going to be ups and downs. You know, you can't continue to get – he has continued to get better three weeks in a row. Like, is it going to happen every week? There's no guarantee that. We know how brutal the sport is. But what I saw this weekend, that's what I see. I mean, that's Joey that I know. I know he made a few mistakes after halfway. He knows it. He was still disappointed. So was I, but that was a pretty good showing. I mean, to ride with the vet, the veterans up there like that, that was definitely where he should be. We kind of had the top five in our mind before even the season. Like that's where I felt like he belonged. And I think he pretty much has proven that. Now we just want to see like if we can consistently be, be in that, in there, you know, qualifying was great. He would put it P one on qualifying, which also didn't surprise me either because I've seen him at the test tracks throw down some stuff that's like, man, I don't think he could be any faster. So that did not surprise me. While probably surprised a lot of other people, did not surprise me. But, like, we do have a little bit of a goal each week. We, want, we, we do like to see, like, even in qualifying, we like to see is that number 17 on that tree, like that top five there. Like, that yeah. does give us good position. We don't feel like we're on our heels at all, like, starting the night if that makes sense to you too we're like we're kind of in control of our own destiny we're hitting our marks we're doing the things that we do every day 
um, at home training, you know, doing the laps necessary, the workload, all that. And then we just like, okay, well now it's time to race and, and execute and, and hit your mark. So that's kind of in a nutshell, what we're looking at when we, before we even go to Dallas next week, that's like, that's kind of a game plan we have. And I think that the best guys literally have that, that, that same plan in place. For sure. Uh, it's incredible to see what you're able to accomplish with these guys. And last couple of questions for you before I let you get on with the rest of your afternoon. Um, uh, the, the fact is, is like you guys working with, when you're working with a guy like Joey Savacci, you're not trying to shave off seconds. It's, it's fractions of a second. I have no doubt that if, if, if uh, you spent an hour with me, you'd probably take a couple of seconds out of my best lap time on a specific track just from all the bad habits that I have every day. But most of these guys don't have those egregious bad habits that are really holding them back from getting like they don't have as like you're, you're not shaving off like you know what i mean you're not shaving off huge uh, amounts what are some of the things that these guys can work on to just get those like that extra one percent um because like a lot of like from the eye test it seems like there's not really a lot to work with yeah you are right it's definitely it is it's tense for sure i mean you see the top 10 guys 12 guys are all in that same second bracket really it's crazy it's like almost watching a nascar stuff now they're so close and it does come down to like um like just a perfect lap and just being able to try to duplicate that and stay on that pace which is a super hard thing to do we all know that physically yeah. and mentally like i really felt like even like joey this past weekend that was a little bit of a men mental that just kind of got to him coop was putting on a, a ton of pressure on him and also there was three guys right behind him that's a ton of pressure like i had a few people that was he tired i'm like no dude it, it's more like you know like more the mental side like you just can only take so much you know like and i was happy with them just to lead some laps For sure. and then you get that you get that in the mind you build the mind your mind's the strongest part of your body anyway so literally if you get that part i mean you know all these guys are mentally coached now too like if you're missing anything like like it's just going to be really exposed these days so um yeah like so for sure what you just said you can still watch on film all the guys and see what their strengths are if you're watching kenny or or coop what he's doing with his three wins like you know he definitely he's definitely on it all there's five guys i mean we all know how fast Tomac is too. Like it's sure. just you see how close the points are. It's just everyone's different though. Like like you literally can watch you can watch Eli, you can watch Ken, you can watch Baggett, you can watch you can watch Coop and Marv too. So and and but everyone brings something different to the table. Like it's literally but and then you just kinda and then you gotta you know what you have. Let's just say let's just say number seventeen, Joey. It's like he knows what he has. But then like, okay, why is Okay, is he missing something in corner speed or uh, the timing area? I mean, like it's so they actually in the in the rhythm sections they're not really doing any, anything different. In my opinion, it's usually like the whoops, whether if they get jumpers in the main or skimming the whoops or uh, like corner speed. Like it's usually comes down to that, and then a lot of that has to do with your bike setup. If you don't set up your bike just perfect, it's kind of like you see it in NASCAR. Like they miss it a little bit. They miss it. It means you can see quite a few positions that they missed on that. They'll, they'll, they'll come out and say, I missed it on setup. Like, um, that happens a lot in our sport. Like whether if you just were a little too stiff, um, maybe you needed to be a little softer. The mains always are, the tracks just deteriorate. They went 26 laps this week. The That's track, insane. There was one, there was one good line around that track and it got a little choppy. So if, yeah, maybe if you're a little stiff, maybe it kind of beat you up and you weren't as uh um like as good towards the end not like you're tired just not as efficient as you could have been um ktms look good i thought the hondas look good i thought the cowies look good but i think it comes down to those little things like i'm saying now and you all these guys have crew chiefs on their on the factory teams joey's got a great team around him i'm so impressed i knew that it was going to be impressive joey just sits there every day and goes wow i can't believe what i have you know at that next level um it's it's they got they got the best of the best it's really impressive but you got to also like joey's learning like i tell i try to teach joey right away like 
tell them what you're feeling. Don't hold back. Just tell them, even if it's something you feel like you don't even know what you're trying to say, just say it because they're going to get it a little bit. So like, uh, I helped Ricky a lot on that area at the beginning of his career. He didn't know nothing. I was actually doing a lot of his testing for him because I came off. I was one of the good guys that can test bikes and had a really yeah. good feel on what was working. And you're still what, young what at the time. Yeah, I was still, dude, I could ride Ricky's bike and like, because Ricky would go, man, it feels good. And I'm like, and they go, Johnny, ride that thing. He would just jump on a 125. I could still ride it good. And I go, dude, this thing, we got a tweak on this right here and there. And then, <laughs> then it'd be better. Like, we, we still kind of chuckle over that uh, back in, that was even PC days with RC. So, um, yeah, like if that made a little bit of sense there too, like you yeah, got to, like, yeah, you got to know have an understanding with the bike and you know rpms now everything's on data like like everything like you they know how much what the best rpms are on the on the grate now the metal grates to take off on at least i know that at least we do at cowie we know that we know like it's it's a pretty amazing what you can see i mean everyone's got the you know the, the lift pro stuff like you know like you have all that stuff in front of you it's, it, you can just dissect anything like so you almost you almost like i always tell like anybody like you got to be almost careful like what you even say because they can look right up on the data and just almost know if you're lying or catching a like dude you don't know what you're talking about so you just you like it's pretty amazing now what they what they have at their fingertips oh for sure like just an example this last weekend i think it was really difficult for the guys especially in the long rhythm lane to actually get into the pockets of a lot of those transitions a lot of guys were going just a little bit long into some of those uh, transitions and it was actually throwing off their rhythm and they weren't able to stay low and, and actually drive through that section. Guys who were able to time that better or have a, maybe a little bit of softer setup so they could find those, like get into the pockets, that's where uh, a lot of time was being made up. If, if you could make up on time uh, on a track that was uh, pretty notorious for uh, finding places to, uh, to, to pass. And I think you're right when uh, like some people sort of noticed that uh, Joey got a little bit sort of freight trained after getting uh, relinquishing the second place spot. But the reality is, is that when your mind's going a hundred miles an hour, uh, trying to keep one guy off your tail, um, like when basically when the dam breaks, it's it's not uncommon for uh, uh, have a little almost need a little bit of a mental reset. And in that time, uh, the the twenty five and the uh, uh, the the ninety four go through as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's not like yeah, like you said, like sure the dam breaks, but there's this it's there's not any time to re reset it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and Joey's just a rookie. I can't expect him. I want him to, uh, but yeah, it, it took him a little bit to gather it up, and he kind of just had to like, okay, this is all all I got. I mean, unfortunately, Baggett crashed. Glad he didn't get hurt, but you know, we got one spot there. And uh, we were just one spot off the podium. I mean, that's pretty, pretty good. We're happy with it, better than the week before, and we'll just, uh, we'll move on. It's, you know, we're just, uh, we're looking forward to Dallas. But yeah, you're right. Like it, like he said about those rhythms, they were landing in ruts. Um, so that's, you know, right away, they're, that's pretty gnarly, you know, with yeah. on a 450, they're landing in those rhythms. There was just ruts. So you're kind of, you're kind of eyeing it, know what side to be a little bit better on. But you're really just—it's confidence in what in your uh, machinery and wh how you know it's going to react—is uh, really what you're relying on. So, and then when you know you make one mistake, it almost throws your rhythm off a little bit. And that is what happened to Joey. He know, he knew he made a couple little mistakes, and it's just hard to hard to recover fully unless you're you know multi-champion and you can just like get it right brush that off really quick and just like right off your shoulder and go, okay, I'm right back into this thing. Um, that didn't happen yet, but I think Joey's going to get there. Like that's what we work on all the time. Like we got to get to that point. Like we'll find, we will find that, that comfort. Absolutely. We can't all be like James Stewart where you end up uh, nose wheeling into a face and then uh, happen to jump the next triple blind. Uh, that's, that's a set of skills that, uh, the, the very few have. Um, last question before I let you go, Johnny. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show and, uh, I got to about maybe a tenth of all the things that I'd love to talk to you about. So you'll definitely be a repeat offender here on the, the Big MX podcast. Um, I know you're an avid cyclist. I'm an avid cyclist. I love getting into uh, the gear side of things. For all those listening who are avid cyclists that just absolutely love the the gear and all that sort of the side of things as far as the the uh, uh, componentry you might have on your uh, your bicycle, what are you on right now? What's uh, the, your favorite bicycle in your quiver? Because anyone who likes uh, cycling always has more than one bicycle. What what's uh, your your daily driver and what's on it? 
Uh, well, you mentioned it early. It's all about S works with me. And if people don't know what that is, that I, I, I've been on the specialized brand for quite a few years and S works is the high, it's like HRC or it's the best of the best and it is the most expensive. So I'm on, the the specialized S works Epic. Um, and then also I have a hardtail also, which I don't, I don't really race the hardtail that much, but I do spend some time on it also. But yeah, I've got, I've got really good equipment. I, I, backed by SRAM so I got all the the newest shifting XX1 um yeah like I'm kind of I want to say I'm almost spoiled I have the best of the best even on my uh, bicycle stuff and my team is backed by Specialized also so we Love that's it. the that's the product I run and yeah I'm uh I'm always looking for any little advantage like I did on motorcycles I always kind of feel like I have the best on that stuff too so um yeah, I'm, I'm just very intrigued as always having the, the highest tech new generation stuff. There's some electronic stuff coming out that SRAM has. I'll probably be put on here in the next few months. Um, so there's shifting and stuff like that's going all electronic. Now yeah. I don't ride the road. In, I don't ride the road anymore. I just don't like the cars. So I'm just strictly off-road guy. And I, and you know, caters to me because I come from motocross. So to me, I, I get a little bit of that same sensation when I'm on the dirt especially with all the rain we've been having on a good day when you got traction. It's just, I get that same cool feel that I had on my motorcycle. I like I'm getting big air time or anything like that. Uh, that's what I get out of the mountain bike portion I do. And then I just, everyone knows that I'm really into the, the endurance fitness side of it, even though, it, you know, I'm older now, but I do press it pretty hard there. And I, I've been eight time national champion at the cross country level as a master. So yeah. I still hit it pretty hard and I, did have my knee redone so i'm kind of just trying to see how good i can get that done uh uh back up to speed this year and i'll probably uh, pick and choose some races later in the year once i get that strong again but that pretty much uh in a nutshell says what i'm up to and then other than that i'm just with my family i have a beautiful family my kids are a little little young teenagers now uh but i, I keep super busy on that side of it too but i i got i'm very blessed that you are, my friend. So great to hear, and uh, I hope that uh, nothing but great success for you moving forward, 2019 and beyond. Uh, I think maybe we need to uh, circle a date on the calendar for uh, uh, maybe a, a cycling rendezvous at Whistler Mountain Bike Park, maybe when these guys have a yeah. weekend off or something like that. I know uh, I'm yet to uh, cycle there. I'm sure you've probably uh, been there more than a couple of times. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Would love to do that. Thank you so much for having me on there, yeah. Brad. Hope, hope everybody got something out of it. And uh, I know I, I love the sport so much, and I am, I am uh, that's why I'm still in it, trying to make a difference. Excellent. Well, Johnny O'Mara here on the Big MX Radio podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you on, my friend. We'll do this again sometime. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Radio Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Maxima USA, proven under the toughest conditions. The Collective Experience. Access your dreams at thecollectivexp.com. Sickwix Candles, soy candles and wax melts for moto fans like you. Medterra CBD. Our CBD, your health. Find out more at medterracbd.com